welcome to the Divergent Fitness Podcast, where we use behavior science to help women get stronger, not smaller. My guest today is Mark Bransky, who is a colleague, friend, and mentor of mine, a chief academic officer of the National Personal Training Institute, a friendly neighborhood trainer, and a Gemini. Super excited to have him on today. We have a great conversation about body image, uh, the state of fitness as an industry, and uh, some of the things that are most important to us as we work with our clients. So let's dive in. I'm so excited to have Mark on today, my occasional workout buddy, mentor, and good friend. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to Mark. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that you have been uh, doing these podcasts uh, for a minute now, and uh, so I'm just really honored to basically participate in one. Yeah. Uh, Mark is such a wealth of knowledge. You know, I always pull him in whenever I have a client that um, has some kind of movement dysfunction that I, you know, I might not have the answer and I want to, I need to pull in the big guns. Then I'll grab Mark to come in and kind of help me figure it out. And he's so generous with his time and knowledge. Um, So yeah, it's a real pleasure to have him as a buddy. So Mark, kind of tell everybody, what are you working on right now? What's happening in your life that's um, really important to you? Uh, right now, I am uh, juggling a couple of things. I just uh, actually earlier today, I just registered for my uh, my my first round of grad school classes. So I will awesome. be at 38 going back to school to just keep that going. Um, I'm just working with my clients. I am yeah. uh, teaching a uh, brand new semester for National Personal Training Institute. So I'm having a really good time putting my hands in a couple of different areas and see what happens. Totally. So the really cool thing is that, um, you know, growth mindset is really important. This is something that, um, you know, we're always both talking about with our clients and yeah. the the desire to continue learning and growing. Uh, so I think it's really cool. I don't, I don't even think it, like, it doesn't matter what age, you know, you're, you're going to school. It really has no, um, it's just a testament to the fact that you want to continue bringing more to your clients, right. And more to the people who work with you. Uh, because you continue to invest in yourself, right? You have more to give. Yeah, very much so. I mean, my, my answer to this is going to be a little biased because I do, I work in education. And so I'm very kind of like pro continued learning, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and apart just for what we do as uh, participate, uh, being personal trainers, like we practice a craft where there are so many different approaches to you know, performing assessments, writing a program, and then coaching it, that if a person is not, or if a trainer is not continuing to refine their knowledge and refine their expertise, mm-hmm. they, they tend to kind of get, get lost in the past because there's just a lot of new research that's always kind of unfolding. Right. Uh, for me, if I, if I feel like I am just kind of showing up with my current level of knowledge, and even though when I'm practicing with what I know, I, I get to learn little bits, at some point, I, I feel stale. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really happy to just, you know, devote myself for the next year um, with uh, graduate, graduate level studies, because it's just going to help kind of feed my soul a little bit. So right. I'm not trying to do it just from, you know, like trainers are expected to always be learning. If I'm not continuing to learn, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm really stale and that's not a great feeling. Totally. And you also want to model the behavior for your clients that you want them to be engaging in, 
right? So if I'm working with my clients on mindset and I'm working with my clients around letting go of negative body image uh, beliefs, you know, I, I can't stand in front of the mirror and be like, oh, I look, you know, I look bloated today or, oh, I look ugly today or, you know, I, I can't be modeling an opposite behavior of what I want my clients to be uh, like gleaning from me. And so you kind of have to walk that walk, right? You're telling your your trainers that you're working with, your students, your clients, you're telling them, you know, I want you to have a growth mindset. I want you to put yourself in uncomfortable positions so that you can continue growing in all the ways. We have to be willing to do that ourselves, which is kind of hard, right? You have to take the medicine that you're prescribing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, um, you know, in, in a way that, you know, we as trainers, we provide a service to people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm can't feed them. Uh, we can't do the exercise for them, but what we can do is kind of like create a path for them mm-hmm. to go down and then kind of like support them and hold them accountable to, to doing the things that they want to do. But listen, if I have a plumber uh, and my plumber is just bragging about the continued education that he just did to like understand the differences between like copper and titanium piping, uh, mm-hmm. I, I generally don't really care. I'm like, hey man, can, can you fix the problem or not? Right. If my mechanic is just nerding out on how he just learned about this different type of a transmission or carburetor. I'm like, I mean, can you just do the job for me like at a good price? Like I don't really need those people providing a service to inspire me. However, when, when we sign up as personal trainers, Mm -hmm. it's to some degree, we are like signing a contract stating that we can't really let ourselves go. Because right. we have this responsibility to, as you said, uh, you know, be good models for the right. people that are kind of like signing up to be around us. And mm-hmm. some trainers very much understand this and they're very excited to be to basically live that life and walk that talk or walk right. that walk and talk that talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other people, you know, understandably, they, you know, they may say one thing and then do another. And, uh, you know, every, every industry got, has that, but that's not right. something that you and I are interested in. Right. Well, the thing too, is like when you work with a di- diverse set of people, you know, like I'll, I work with a lot of moms and this is, this is the thing that I'm trying to model for them so that they can model it for their kids. I mean, that's the hardest yeah. part about being in relationship with anybody, but especially people like little people that you have to grow them they, they're not just going to do what you say, they're going to do what you do, you know? And so the thing, and you could even apply this to like partners, right? If you tell your partner, you, you're supposed to be, you need to be more kind to me, or you need to be more calm when you talk to me, right? Like you have, as you're yelling at that person about it. Yeah. It's ironic. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing is that it's like, I have to show up and embody in myself first, the traits that I want to like inspire in other people. Uh, and this really translates so much outside of the gym, right? If if people can come into the gym and master some of these skills, now it can generalize into other settings and be like a really beautiful thing that supports growth in like many other areas that don't even have anything to do with fitness. When you first got into fitness, what was the what was the motivation behind it? And how, how long have you been in the fitness industry? Uh, I kind of came into this industry in a really weird way uh, because I, I got in trouble. I got in trouble... Um, working, not working as a, I, w- I went to a gym with a friend of mine on a guest pass, um, mm-hmm. something like 15 years ago. And I was showing him how to do an exercise, probably poorly. Um, mm-hmm. but because I was using my big boy voice, the manager from downstairs came up and he kicked me out saying that we don't, a- we don't allow any outside trainers. 
I told him that I was not a trainer. I was just a dude on a guest pass. And mm -hmm. he just offered me a job. Um, I was, yeah, I was, I was having kind of like, I was like 23, 24, something like that. So having my mm -hmm. quarter life crisis yes. and trying to get out of what I was doing previously, but didn't really know the avenue to do so. So mm -hmm. when he, he pitched me, Hey, well, you know, would you like to work here? I kind of took some stock and I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the gym. I very much like exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this could be kind of, this could be kind of cool. So, but I didn't really know what to expect. Right. Part of, uh, being employed at this gym was it was a 24 hour fitness was I needed to be certified. And at the time mm -hmm. they had this like five day course in, in personal training. Like you would just go to some location, they would basically mm -hmm. teach you some stuff out of a, out of a book for a couple mm -hmm. of days and then slam Obama, you are a personal trainer. Wow. And, and during that, like during that course, um, I, I didn't know what to expect, but mm -hmm. what was so cool was in this manual, it, it basically said, this is the formal way to approach exercise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming from just hanging out in the gym and kind of monkey see monkey do, I always thought right. that it was my responsibility to just crack the code of fitness. I did not know that there were like formal ways to do things. And mm -hmm. so I've just been drinking from the fire hose of knowledge ever since I, I just am really interested in, uh, the structure behind the chaos that is exercise. Right. Why did you initially get into exercise? Like even before that, did I you was like, for, like as an athlete or no, like I, I'm one of these trainers that, uh, I, I didn't grow up very athletic, mm -hmm. um, I didn't experience like significant injury or trauma that I kind of got the bug through rehabilitation. I mm. also was not significant, significantly overweight and, you know, lost the weight and do that. So like a lot of trainers, when they kind of get into these things, either they were athletic, they were significantly injured and then healed themselves or, mm -hmm. you know, were rehabilitated or they like lost a lot of weight and they want to pay it forward. I, mm. uh, there was a YMCA, um, on the way home from middle school that I would walk past all the time. And sometimes I would mm -hmm. just go there and hang out and just like burn some time. And mm -hmm. in this super crummy gym that just smelled like it needed a tetanus shot, there were mm -hmm. just these like, you know, middle-aged dudes doing resistance training and, you know, they had like big muscles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like a five foot three skinny kid. And so I thought that this is like one thing that I could do to like kind mm -hmm. of, call it, turn myself more into like a man, you know, cause right. I was 13, 14 at the time. And mm -hmm. I just saw it as being really, really masculine and right. hanging around with dudes and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were like, okay, I'm going to bulk up and then I'm going to get all the babes and then things are going to be good. Yeah. I, you know, I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get like muscles and stuff was, was to get girls. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there, there's probably, I mean, just being like a 14 year old boy, like I'm sure that was there, but more right. so in my mind, um, you know, I think I was really looking for some type of an outlet with physical activity, 
Mm-hmm. I did some sports kind of growing up, like AYSO mm-hmm. soccer and things like that, but mm-hmm. never really, really felt connected to team sports. I didn't have mm-hmm. great field awareness. I didn't have any coaches that actually kind of like supported me to, to learn some of this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. just had a lot of coaches that leaned on the kids that were like, quote unquote, natural. So right. I actually right. kind of identified a little bit not being athletic just because like, oh, I just I can't do these things. But with like resistance training, it was just an individual thing. Like I didn't have to lean on like anybody else's expertise. I could just kind of figure it out myself. Yeah. So that's what kind of really kind of attracted me to exercise initially. Yeah. That's one of the things that I love about resistance training is that it does not matter how old you are. It does not matter if you are overweight, if you are naturally larger bodied, if you are smaller bodied, if you are a kid, you know, it, there's really, anybody can do it at any fitness level, right? I can't, not anybody can do burpees, not anybody can run, you know, not anybody can ride a bike. All these things are not accessible to everyone, but resistance training is accessible to everybody and which is amazing, right? Anybody can come in and do it and feel, feel competent you know, like lifting a little bit of weight. How has your, so like initially you got into training to feel more masculine, right? To feel more manly. Is that the reason that you continue to do resistance training today? Or how has your sort of feeling towards this changed over the span? Oh man, like there has been a pretty significant arc from (laughs) me being, I, I should hope there's been an arc from going from like 14 to 38, but Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest things now, or if I were kind of like to draw a comparison, and that's a really great question because I have to like think about this a little bit. But, uh, you know, initially it was um, kind of like what's going on and what's kind of the rules of the road with like reps and sets and how do I choose that exercise for that reason? Just kind of like trying to understand what was happening. And, mm-hmm. um you know, then 15, 16, 17, just full bro. I don't think I like ever did legs. I think like all I did was just bench and eat Doritos with my friends in the gym. Like it was just stereotypical, you know, stuff like that. And it wasn't until I actually got certified as a trainer and got a job as a trainer that Mm -hmm. my philosophy on the utility of exercise generally for me really started to change where there's there was kind of like a functional purpose to exercise Mm -hmm. uh, rather than um, you know rather than just kind of like targeting muscle groups to just make muscles bigger I wanted to like make my body work better right Um, but you know now that I think about it um there is a part of me that is just curious about things. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just wonder about stuff. I have a pretty good sense of intellectual curiosity. And um, even though I was just a bro back then, mm-hmm. uh, just bicep curls for just ever until it just hurt. Yeah. But yeah. I always kind of wondered, like I would take these moments in the gym, even though I'm like crushing my biceps or like trying to build up my delts or just, just something like that. I'd take these moments and like look around And I'd see somebody over off in the distance, like doing legs, something like that, and see somebody else like doing arms. And I'd see everybody that was like doing something. Mm -hmm. But I always kind of like wondered, like, but what is my body supposed to do? I know that people are like doing these exercises, 
But mm-hmm. I'm like, what is my body like as a tool supposed to do? And I didn't mm-hmm. have any of those answers until like way later on started to learn like the exercise science part of things right. and going from how do I select an exercise to challenge my muscles to how do I make my arms work better or how right. do I make my activities of daily living better? Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like this really big switch for me. Yeah. And that's where we really sort of align is that my focus really, um, when I'm working with women is, is on helping them be more strong and more capable in the world. Right. And less focus on the aesthetics of fitness. Um, I think this, which is hard to get out of because the aesthetics of fitness just gets, just gets pumped. You know, that's, that's like a big thing. That's a huge thing. And I think that people sort of shy away, you know, especially people who are larger bodied or people who are on a health journey, shy away from fitness or trainers or gyms because they think, you know, that's not, that's not an aesthetic that I'm ever going to reach, right? I'm never going to get there. And so like that kind of behavior isn't good for, like, it isn't right for me. You know, I I have a larger body. I've always had a larger body. I'm tired of fighting with my body and I'm just going to like, let it go you know, like, fuck it, whatever it is, what it is. And so then people believe, well, if the only reason to do it is aesthetics and I'm not interested in that, there's no reason to do it. And you kind of came to this conclusion throughout your own journey of like, there's a bigger reason to do it, which is to make your body more functional and more capable in, in just like in all the other parts of your life that have nothing to do with the gym and nothing to do with your body, but just like your ability to function in the world comfortably. Yeah. Now, uh, where, in your opinion, where does vanity come in? Because there could be, you know, as I, ju- as, as I just said, like our industry and you go on social media and stuff like that, there's obviously a, a, an aesthetic drive that just mm-hmm. hits like just biologically really, really deep. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. exercise and that'll help me procreate. Like you just keep right. going that deep. That's where it is. But yeah. it's also important that somebody like, is kind of attracted to themselves. So where do you say like this line of vanity can go from, or pursuit of vanity can go from like, hey, this is a good thing to maybe a not good thing. Like where's that line for you? Yeah, so I think that it crosses over into being not good when it starts to impact other areas of your life that are actually really good for you and contribute to your well-being. So like when you look at measures of well-being and like there's, there's, you know, six main measures and they have to do with like feeling connected to people, um, engaging in meaningful behavior, feeling like you have a purpose, um, you know, having healthy leisure activities. You know, when you see people who are super shredded and it's like gym, hashtag hustle, hashtag no pain, no gain, like that sort of mentality, other things have to suffer, right? If you're going to contribute so much bandwidth to this one thing, you only have so much energy, you only have so much time in the day other things are are not going to get the kind of like uh, energy and time that they deserve as well, right? So like when I was doing bodybuilding um, and tracking all my macros, you know, I couldn't go out to ice cream with the kids. Uh, I was eating separate meals from the kids. If I was eating something and the boys were like, oh, that looks good. Can I have a bite? I was like, I would like snarl at them, like Gollum with the ring. Like I already weighed it, you know, like I was an insane person. And like all, and like my mental health suffered, I developed an eating disorder. So for me, uh, it really starts to be impactful when you lose 
so many things like, what's the point of this? What's the point of, you know, like you're saying procreate, why do we want to procreate? Well, you believe like procreation will make me happy. I'll be a part of a community. I'm, I'm a part of the social circle. So ultimately like the thing that's meant to get you happiness becomes the thing that keeps you from your happiness. Um, yeah. and I kind of see that as being the, the spot that, you know, where I want people to kind of look at, what do you think this is going to help you access? And is there a way to access that thing right now in this current body that you're in? Yeah. And this is one of these, you know, subjects within, like call it as a coach when you're trying to support someone towards a, uh, a better quality of life or mm -hmm. a life of less suffering, something big umbrella mm -hmm. like that, where mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard if somebody comes in and they're, let's say, let's just, they're overweight, okay? And mm -hmm. however that is, whatever that means, things like that. So they're mm -hmm. overweight. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they, they don't like that they're overweight. They, they don't, mm -hmm. they just, they, they don't like it. And they were like, mm -hmm. okay, I would like to lose weight. Um, and on one end, perhaps as a coach, I could be like, okay, this is how we can go ahead and help you lose weight, mm -hmm. thus helping somebody manifest a little more happiness. Or do I say, well, what's wrong with being a little bit overweight right now? It's like, mm -hmm. well, do I want to then, you know, support someone to be happy with how they look right now and not lose weight? It's like, mm -hmm. I wonder how I can best support someone um, mm -hmm. with the path that should lead them to being happier or more mm -hmm. self-accepting or mm -hmm. should I coach them to be more self-accepting in their current weight? And mm -hmm. I, I kind of, I kind of struggle in these trainer existential questions. I mean, have you right. kind of had these moments too on like, you know, how do I best coach someone if these two options kind of interfere with them, with interfere with each other? Yeah, I think they kind of look like they interfere with each other, but I don't really, I, I don't, um, I don't see it that way. I think, I think that, so like someone comes in and they say, I'm over, you know, I want to lose weight. My question is why, you know, what do you, what do you want yeah. to access? Okay. I want to feel more confident. Okay. Well, that might not have nothing to do with your weight. I mean, part of that is going to be mindset. We'll work on that together. Part of that is feeling more capable. We're going to work on that through strength training. Part of that is feeling generally more fit and like comfortable in your body. Like you don't feel so heavy. You don't feel so fatigued. Again, we're going to work on that with strength training. Like all of this has very little to do with the actual number on the scale and more to do with how you feel inside of your body. Um, so I see them like, like you can love your body and you can love yourself and you can still, and, 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 and it's a reason to engage in health behavior, not I'm going to engage in health behavior in order to access self-acceptance, but I am self-accepting right now today. And because I love myself so much, how could I treat myself any other way? Like when you love your kids, you feed them well. You want them to have balanced food. You want them to get some sunshine on their face. You do the same thing for yourself, but it's not coming from a place of like, you are a piece of shit and so you need to work out to be loved. It's more like, I love this body and I want it to last and be functional for as long as I can. And that's why I'm going to engage in this health behavior. And you can also love yourself exactly as you are and want to grow some skill like, oh, I want to increase my lifts. I want to get stronger. It doesn't mean that you don't accept yourself as you are, but it does mean that you, you know, there's like humans are meant to continue to grow, right? Like we're meant to continue to be pushing ourselves and developing. And, and there's, there's like an inherent need for that. So in, in response, in response a little bit to kind of like what you were saying, I, I could definitely see 
my, uh, you know, the, 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 the nuance that you describe between like, you know, how does one best support if, if the change, if the change in aesthetics or performance is, is, is an avenue or a proxy for self-acceptance, yes, we want someone to enjoy their body's transformation and change towards the person that they right, self-actualize a little bit better, um, but they don't have to wait till to self-love until they're like arrive at the promised land you know hey let's kind of start on some self-love and let's have this change in aesthetics uh you know be a manifestation of that right as opposed to the the destination yes yes Um, the entire focus is on this thing and you can kind of feel you know when you're working with somebody who has a really positive mindset you know or, or you know when i first work with clients and they they go out and they eat a big sushi dinner or something. And then they come to me and I'm like, how's your nutrition? And they'll say things like, oh my gosh, Sounds I'm amazing, so bad or, you know, oh, I suck or whatever, right? Like the, the self-talk is really negative and you can just feel yeah. that so much of their perception of themselves is so rigidly, it's so rigidly attached to their behavior versus like, I love myself yeah. and, and I'm a human and, you know, my behavior might ebb and flow and that's normal and natural there's this feeling like if I made a mistake, I'm a piece of crap, right? And so as I work with my clients, there starts to be some lightness around how they view themselves, right? They see behavior just as data instead of seeing it as like proof that they are a a lazy, you know, worthless human being. It's more just like, oh, okay. Like I notice at the end of the day, I need a little bit more support around this. They give themselves more support. It's fine. So I think that it, it, the healthy versus unhealthy a health journey, and when I say healthy versus unhealthy, I mean psychologically, has a lot to do with when I make a mistake, am I gentle and kind with myself or am I like so angry and mad and there's so much self-loathing and it's because it's like, oh, you idiot, you're never going to get to love yourself if you can't lock this down and fix this versus I love myself now so there can be a lightness around this behavior and I can be gentle with myself as I slowly shape my behavior over time. Yeah, you know, so I want to I want to piggyback on this because this is another thing like I, I think about a lot, which is how lots of research shows that when people engage in structured activity, whether it's like resistance training in the gym or mm-hmm. like joining like a bocce league or something, just yeah. some type of structured activity it leads to a really wonderful feeling of satisfaction mm-hmm. that can't really be attained through other non-physical means. And so I wonder, you know, how primal that is, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, people can definitely, you know, participate in commerce and make money or, you know, perhaps like, you know, volunteer with their time and get a certain satisfaction with that. So it's not just Mm -hmm. only satisfaction through physical effort, but there is something just so primal where if someone is having a tough time, uh, with themselves in, in in conjunction with being sedentary, Mm -hmm. that once they start moving and then setting intention to kind of challenge themselves with moving, it doesn't have to be crazy, but just 
an intention with moving, and then they do it, there's just some feeling that we get, which is really validating. I mean, right. what, what, are you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think that, you know, where that, that comes from, that satisfaction through structured effort? Yeah, you know, I think it's a couple things. I think we're made to uh, be challenged. You know, I think that humans have a desire to keep pushing and, and doing a hard thing and having that feeling of mastery around that. I also feel like when you do a structured activity, that can get you access to other things that are really valuable to you, like connection, yeah. uh, community, a sense of belonging, right? And those things can be so motivating and so validating for so many people. Um and just, I think the general feeling of like what happens to your brain when you exercise, right? Like you get flooded with a lot of positive brain, like a lot of brain chemicals that make you feel really good. Um, so exercise is paired with all of these beautiful things. And I think the problem is that people don't view necessarily things like bocce or, um, you know, like dance, like fun, you know, um, just like loose dance, right? Like, like everything feels like it has to be competitive and it has to be very like aesthetically driven, like aesthetic results driven. And I think that when my clients, you know, talk about like results, like what are results? And I think that we need to diversify the metrics that we're using to define results because results don't just mean you weren't shredded and now you are, right? When I came out of my bodybuilding program, I was shredded, but I had an eating disorder. I had lost my period. My mental health was in the shitter. Um, and I was completely miserable. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, things that fell apart. Yes, for in service of this goal that I perceive to be quote unquote healthy, right? And so when I'm working with my clients, you know, they might be like, oh, I don't feel like I'm getting results. And so the first thing I do is like, well, let's talk about results. What does that mean? First of all, you're showing up for five days a week and being consistent. You've made a promise and you're keeping it to yourself. Like how much confidence does that build when you know you're the kind of person that says you're going to do something and then you do it. Like that feels really good. You know, you're doing that consistently. Yeah. You're being mindful about your nutrition. You're not beating yourself up uh, about junk food. So now you're actually being more moderate. You're not binging anymore. Your lifts have gone up this much. Like people define results just as like, am I skinny yet? And that's such a, such an, it's such a superficial way to define results. And it's also so sad because honestly, why is that the measure? Why is that the yardstick that we're using to measure health or progress or results? Like there are so many rich, beautiful ways like that we can define results. And we're just going to use this one measure. Like you couldn't go on a roller coaster with your kids because you were over the weight limit. And now you can, like, is there anything more beautiful than that? Right. Or you used to think you were a piece of shit and now you know, you're not like, how can any physical transformation mean more than that. You know, so it's interesting that people are always pushing like these really physical results when the most meaningful results that my clients get and that I got for myself was all related to mindset and almost nothing related to how I look. Yeah, I think there is something to say that uh, there tends to be an emphasis on outcome goals relative to yeah. process ones. Um, right. You know, so, some reasons that I think that may be the case is so, some of the simple reasons is the outcome of winning a championship or, mm -hmm. you know, getting to your goal weight is where like all the fireworks are for people. It's, it's got the right. bigness that is that that is quite noticeable. Yeah. And just the bigness of it right. where the process may seem 
too mundane yeah. to be given credit to. Right. Like it's it's just it's just too small. Right. So why should I give the same kind of gravity to a simple process like how well I can cut the vegetables for my salad, you know, right. in terms of if someone wants to make salads more and things like that, yeah. to then losing like 40 pounds. So right. it's hard for a lot of people to, to equate that to. However, you know, you've heard uh, covering a million miles takes really one step at a time. Right. Um, and so there is this... Uh, interesting predisposition that I think that human beings have to just not, you know, to keep their eyes forward too, too far. Yeah. Um, and not really look at like kind of what's going on along the way. However, when mm. you look at like how people got to where they're going, yeah. it was pretty much by participating in process. So there's just yeah. a tragic irony about that. Basically it was learning how to cut the vegetables better and walking more. Right. I mean like some of the most yeah. underrated things that you can do are the things that are going to be most impactful over decades. I mean, that's what we're talking about yes. here, right? Like a health journey can't just be something where you get super shredded for six months and now you have like damage to your bones because you're, you weren't getting enough nutrients, you know? I mean, it has to be something just that like, crushing like I'm it. looking you were at long-term behavior it change, and then you know? So my clients will be beating themselves up or I missed workouts last week. It's like, listen, you're going to be doing this for the next 40 years, uh, you know, or more. Like, is this really going to make a difference? No. Like, we're, we're shaping our behavior 1% better every day. Um, and so the focus is really on this, like, slow, sustainable process versus these big outcome goals. And the other interesting thing is if you talk to people where something big happens to them, like, I won the championship or I won a million dollars, how do they feel? Like, is their happiness elevated? Absolutely. For a couple weeks. And then what happens? You go back yeah. down to your normal baseline level of happiness. Yeah, your baseline. Yes. So that's the thing is people are like, when I get skinny, I'm going to feel X, Y, and Z. And it's like, are you going to be excited that there are more clothes available to you? You can pick something off the rack? Yeah. But does it have more to do with like our shitty society not providing more options for larger bodied people? And once you acclimate to being able to pick clothes off the rack... Are other insecurities just going to pop to the surface? Like, oh, now I have loose skin. Oh, now I can see more of my wrinkles. Oh, like there's always going to be a thing. And so at some point it's like, when do I just decide that I'm enough as I am and stop chasing this, this like perfect aesthetic, which is white, thin, you know, perfect hair, perfect eyes, perfect everything. Like when are we just going to be like, all right, that's not what I'm going for. That's not the goal anymore. Right. And I mean, at some point, do you, do you feel like you've gotten there or do you feel like you're still contending with that just as a, as a person in your own body? Uh, for me? Yeah. Um, I mean, because I mean, I'm focused I... on women, but men are swimming in this toxic water yeah. too. I think it's, You know, it's it's very much the culture and kind of the expectations that gets marketed out of the fitness industry are very much in line with, um, you know, American core values of of achievement. You know, mm -hmm. you come to this country, be in this country, make a million dollars, make a billion dollars, mm -hmm. um, just a achieve what you want. Right. Pursue uh, and, and achieve. And, you know, so our. Our, the, the industry or the health and wellness industry is going to be pushing their products and services for you to achieve an outcome and mm -hmm. not often a process. And so I think a lot of that where 
you know, I agree there should be like a stronger sentiment on people participating in a process mm -hmm. um, and let the outcome be a byproduct of that. It's just competing heavily with a lot of the just the marketing strategies that are just going to be out there in the world that a person tr trying to participate in that outcome and learning from uh, is going to be subject to. And so that definitely creates a lot of friction where, you know, I've worked with a lot of people um, whether they were like students becoming personal trainers or um, just, you know, regular people of daily life that are trying to look to achieve something, mm -hmm. you know, on one sense, very much understand that it takes just consistent participation to see a change. Mm -hmm. But they still have, and I still have in my own way, mm -hmm. this emotional, uh, just uh, kind of connection or almost obsession with like, what will life be like if I did have abs, right. you know, or if I, if I did have some type of outcome. And, and yeah. so it, it's just difficult on, you know, trying to like marry those things together, but yeah. in a way that is realistic for people. So yeah, it, right. I think it's very much just how our industry pulls on the heartstrings of people yeah. for, you know, outcomes that require their products or services right. and it, it can kind of very much pull people away from the process that's required yeah and pull it and can pull them away from health which is supposed to be the whole point of this yeah matter, right i mean they yeah the industry will break your legs but then sell you crutches like tell you all the things that's wrong with you and all the ways that you're ugly and no one will ever like you oh and here's this yeah. this package that i can sell to you that can like so you don't have to, that doesn't have to be true for you. It's like, well, what if that just wasn't true for me? Now I don't have to, you know, spend this money. That's the opposite of what the industry wants, right? So it's it's a really toxic yeah. relationship where it's like, yeah, I'll make you feel like shit so I can, I can then come in and be some kind of hero. Uh, I think what you can do, mm -hmm. like, so you, there's this question of what would life be like if I had abs? I can tell you right now, uh, you'd be hungry. <laughs> Your life would be exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, oh, I bet, hungry. I bet. Yeah. I mean, really you know, people have asked me uh, totally. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in okay shape right now, but like yeah. I, I probably couldn't compete to anything, you mm -hmm. know, but I, I feel good and kind of like where I'm at, but people have just kind of asked me if I've ever been like, when was the last time I was like in the greatest shape of my life? And, you yeah. know, I'll kind of like describe where I was, you know, pretty much a brand new trainer. I had not a lot of money, so I wasn't eating a whole lot of food. So weight <laughs> loss happened there. Right. And, uh, you know, just kind of like exercising all the time because I was just like always in the gym and uh, fueled on, you know, pre-workout and stuff. Yes. Um, but I never felt worse. I never looked better, but I never felt yeah. worse. And so yeah. it is just kind of interesting, you know, and I do find it kind of like small wins where, you know, someone's going to come in and people have, I know, kind of like come in and began working with you and they have some, you know, level of expectation on, I want to lose weight. I want to feel better. I want to be stronger. Mm -hmm. But then that, that, that expectation that is worthwhile is probably also, you know, muddied by, um, other expectations that just may not be feasible. Right. And so a big part of like our job is, you know, why we kind of have to know to some degree, like the sciences about these things is mm -hmm. so we can say, Hey, listen, if you want to lose weight, I think, I think this is a fantastic idea mm -hmm. based on what you've said you are kind of willing and able to do. Mm -hmm. It may take six months, uh, assuming right. that things work out perfectly the entire time. Right. And I know that you said you would like to lose all that weight in uh, 30 days. 
Right. So we have to kind of say, all right, yeah, we can kind of do these things, but mm-hmm. here's where these expectations really are just not going to be uh, realistic. And right. then this is a more realistic way to kind of go about things. Right. And then people are like, oh, shit, like, you mean it's going to actually take like that much longer? Yeah. It's like, oh, man, maybe I kind of don't want to do it. But those are real conversations that we have to have. Yeah. Um, because if, if someone said, hey, listen, I want to lose a certain amount of weight. And uh, I saw on the Internet that's going to take 30 days. I saw somebody in, you know, some before and after picture right. that they were able to do this in 30 days. Right. And we're like, and if we said yes, that's a problem because the moment somebody purchases training with you, that is the beginning of the relationship. And so yeah. if we were not, if we just agreed to a false expectation or unrealistic expectation that they had, we we're just straight up setting ourselves up for disaster. Right. But if we kind of clear it up and say, hey, listen, it's going to take like three times longer than you anticipate. Yeah. Um, I know you said if you just like cut out ice cream, that'll help out. But we might have to do more than that, yeah. you know, over time. And right. sometimes people are going to be like, hey, you know, that is much more realistic. That makes sense. I'm all in. Thank you yeah. for clearing that up. Right. And other individuals be like, well, I'll just go to a trainer that'll say yes. Right. And that's just that's just the expectations of people that are out there. You know, yeah. it's frustrating sometimes, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's having a, it's asking them what, like, how badly do you want this and what are you willing to sacrifice for it? And let's be really honest about that because it's going to mean that, like I was talking about, you're not going to be able to maybe eat the same meals as your kids. You're not going to be able to, you're going to lose balance in all other areas of your life in service of this goal. And if that feels right for you, that's not my, that's not, that's not my sort of like, uh, messaging. That's not like what feels like important for me as a trainer. But like, if someone said, I, I want to hire you to help me do this thing, as long as it's healthy, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna destroy them. You know, I I don't, I want them to be healthy. Right. But I will support them to get as lean as they want to get. The reality is that once you start saying, listen, your relationship with your spouse might be affected because you're going to be grumpy as hell because you're hungry and because they're just going to want to go out to dinner with you and you can't do it. You're going to be fussy. Uh, you're going to be always thinking about food. Like I need to be honest with you about what this looks like because people don't talk about that. They just yeah. show you the before and the after. They don't tell you yeah, yeah, yeah. the psychological sort of trauma of essentially starving yourself. Right? Yeah, it's true. So you tell them like, listen, that's what, that's what that actually takes and uh, it's just a values, it's a values conversation. If you value this, if this is really a huge value for you, you need to have this experience, then this is what we'll have to do, right? And, but I don't, I, and you as, as well, we're not preaching that that's not our value. And I'm not going to impose my values onto my clients, but I'm also like, if you want to work with that kind of a trainer, those trainers exist, but I am in service of the long-term you. I'm not going to starve you for six months so I can get you really tiny and then I'm like, okay, hey, you met your goal. Go off into the world, and now you have no idea how to have a regular relationship with food. Your your self esteem is totally destroyed. You have an eating disorder, and you have no libido. Like I fucked you up in all of these ways, so I could get you abs. I'm not interested in that. There are trainers who will do that though, and you and I yeah. have we just have a different idea about what health is. Yeah, and you know, kind of on that on that same level because like I, I call it like a trainer identity where. As just, you know, regular people start mm-hmm. going down the road of certification, basically bit getting exposed to knowledge about how the body works, knowledge about how, how the mind works, 
um, nutrition, we become kind of like more knowledgeable about, call it the realities of things. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different ways that fitness can kind of happen. And so an individual as they're transitioning from being a fitness participant to a fitness professional has to kind of then ask themselves, well, what kind of a trainer am I going to be? You know, am I going to be the trainer? Like either am I going to be a weight loss trainer or am I going to be just helping people with older individuals Mm -hmm. or, you know, do I want to apply myself ethically Yeah. or do I want to apply myself unethically? Like there are plenty of wonderful ethical knowledgeable trainers Mm -hmm. that don't make as much money as unethical, right. you know, social media trainers. Yes. So we, we, you know, it's interesting as we have to kind of really come to terms with a, you know, who do we want to and maybe not want to work with? Yeah. Um, either certain types of people or certain types of goals, right. you know, but also, you know, how ethical are we going to be? And there's plenty of opportunities for yeah. trainers to convey themselves in an unethical way. And a lot of them are fine with it and some are not, yeah. you know, which is kind of interesting how, People, we don't we don't know that kind of going in. It's something that right. we have to have conversations with with ourselves about kind of over time. Right. And the interesting thing is that, you know, unethical trainers can get their clients results, right? Like if you work with someone off social yep. media, they're totally unethical. They didn't individualize your program. Uh, they have you doing really unhealthy things that's messing up your relationship with food. You might see results, absolutely, because a caloric deficit is going to cause weight loss like at the end of the day. The reality is that what's the cost? And so ethics to me is like, I'm not going to like the net sort of outcome of working with me should be positive, right? And if giving you abs fucked up nine out of other nine out of, you know, the other 10 areas of your life, um, that to me is that's not it's not a net positive. It's it's negative in every other way, except for now you have abs. And so that's why this is unethical, because it's like. Um, what you have to sacrifice in order to do that, what you have to give up doesn't, doesn't balance out, right? Doesn't like what you gain doesn't, doesn't balance with what you had to give up to be able to get that. So you're saying I should probably start being a more ethical trainer is what I should, I should, <laughs> I should stop telling people just uh, to... do tricep extensions and I'll lose the fat in that area. I should, I should, I should avoid that. I think that you need to start selling detox teas for a start. And I think that you need to oh, stop yes. just, like convincing all of your clients that they need to get abs to be loved in the world. I mean, that would be a good start for sure. That's right. They should all go on starvation diets and keto at the same time. That's, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> oh God. Just not keto. eat food. Uh, yeah. Not yes. eat food in the keto way. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. Oh my gosh, Mark, like we could seriously talk forever. We had so many bullet points of things that we wanted to discuss. And I think maybe we got to two if, if, if that, um, I'd love to have you back on if you're interested and kind of just keep diving through these, uh, philosophical questions together. I think it's helpful for people to kind of hear from a perspective of kind of, you know, trainers talking about this and talking about, uh, what differentiates good trainers from bad trainers, what differentiate differentiates a truly healthy program. And I'm defining health, not only in physical health, but we're talking about mental, psychological, spiritual, what defines a truly healthy program from one that isn't. And I would love to keep diving into this with you. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, you know, you and I talk all the time and I I very much enjoy, um, you know, thinking philosophically 
about what we do, yeah. as well as kind of talk about, you know, more formal things like the sciences. And, and the better through conversations like this that, um, you know, non-trainers, just regular fitness participants can kind of understand what that world is like, they can just make much better decisions for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Really quickly, I'd love for you to share just how people can find you and um, any services that are, you know, that you're providing that you want to share. Yeah. One of the best ways to kind of see whatever it is that I'm doing is through Instagram. Um, my, my handle is trainer, trainer guy. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where like most of my, you know, either pictures or videos of either me exercising, um, knowledge drops about exercise and nutrition, or kind of seeing examples of doing different things is going to be. So that's probably the best way to see me. Instagram trainer, trainer guy. Yeah. Awesome. And are you accepting clients right now or are you, you're really focused on kind of the continuing education piece and working as a, um, you know, working with the curriculum for NPTI? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am accepting clients, uh, both live and virtual, virtual for programming and stuff like that, but also for trainers that are looking for some level of mentorship. You know, I really yes. get, I get a lot of satisfaction out of helping people, you know, discover their ability to help and change lives in just a faster way that ultimately that I did. Yes. And I will say, so I have a lot of behavior analysts who are wanting to make the switch from autism service into fitness and health. And one way that I did that, and one way that, that is ethical to the BCBA field of, or, you know, the BCBA ethics code was to hire a mentor in this new field to make sure that I was competent when I did switch over and I hired Mark to support me through that process. So any BCBAs who are interested in making the switch, uh, Mark is a wonderful mentor who can help you kind of um, get a really good foundation of understanding so that you are competent in this field and you can potentially switch careers, which has been super meaningful and wonderful. So please reach out and find him. He's an awesome guy and uh, just a just a wonderful person who's knowledgeable to have in your lives. All right, Mark. So we'll see you next time uh, for a part two. And thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me.